Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson! Lawson! How was your weekend? Oh, so good. I got to go to church for the first time in weeks. Which nice. was amazing. Like, you know, we had care group on Friday night, got together, ate food, studied the Bible, church on Saturday, got together, studied the Bible, ate food. I like, that being said, I did at one point like go off and have a bit of a nana nap because I was like quite tired, still right. like still pretty fatigued. But I did that. I did that most Sabbaths anyway. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it was, oh, it was so good. And then, and then yesterday, um, one of my friends is down. He like lives up in like the kind of Ballina, Austinville kind of area. Um, and he came down and then a group of us went go karting. And, nice, and it was super fun. And dude, for the first time—not for the first time ever—but like I had competition because usually we go go karting and I just win every time. Um, but I had some competition. <laughs> there was some random at the track, Not and I was like, "Oh man!" It, and he beat me in the first one because it's Ooh, like it's, it's on fastest lap time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. but he had—I I went out. I went to find out that he had been there all day, and he goes like every single week to the go kart track. But in the second session, I found him on track, and I'm like, "I'm gonna beat him!" And then I found him, and then I passed him, and then I did. The fast slap and then I won. So I was pretty I was pretty happy with that. It was a real comeback kid kind of story. Um, <laughs> then I made a friend out of it. You know, I talked to him at the end and he was like, oh good race and and you know just meeting people in public and just you know yeah and then I was like oh we should hang out one day and then I made friends. It was awesome. It was, it was such a good time. That's really cool. That's, that's <laughs> what are you grateful for? Uh let me see what am I grateful for this morning? So um well I you know, I had an interesting day yesterday. I went to a funeral and I went hiking. Oh, okay. Ooh. So, um, yeah, it was one of those poignant, poignant t- times. We uh, um, distributed this um, this person's ashes mm. in a place that they had uh, really enjoyed living and working, and then went for a hike over the property. So, wow, uh, with one of the family members. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is time for our pentathlon quiz. Lawson is going to bring you the first quiz question. Lawson, what do we got? All right, for 100 points, simply this. Which day of creation included God making night? This is kind of contentious. Like, it's not, but it kind of is. And I can't tell you why. Because I, I was about to start talking about it, and now I'm like... And now, but we can't, we can't talk about it, which is sad, but... This is interesting. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the correct answer. For one hundred points, you can win yourself a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker, or you can get those points on the board. Continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was: Which day of creation included God making night? Okay, which day was that? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Let's have some positively different news this morning. Positively different news. Okay, I just want to have a quick mention of you know the Winter Olympics are currently on. Australia is sitting in sixth. We've won a gold medal already, um, and we are absolutely hosing the United States because they've won no gold medals and they're sitting in in thirteenth. So that's it's it's interesting when you look at the Winter Olympic like tallies, like first and second. We have like hardly any snow. Yeah. 
But we do well. And America gets covered with snow from kind of top to bottom. That's right. But it's so funny. It's like Norway and Sweden are currently leading. They've got like, you know, the most gold medals and whatnot. And in the Summer Olympics, like they're first and second. And then in the Summer Olympics, they were like 20th and like 31st. So <laughs> they're just like a non-factor in the Summer Olympics. But when the snow comes out, it's like snow is all we have. And they do, <laughs> they do really, really well. Um, but yeah, we're, we're doing, we've won a gold medal. We've won a couple, we've won a gold medal and we've won a bronze medal because it's like early days in the winter Olympics. So our tally isn't incredibly high, but that has done well enough for us to be in six, only being beaten by the Netherlands, Germany, Russia, or, you know, the RSC, um, Sweden and Norway, but we're beating China and America. I'm not following it. Yeah, oh, that's right. You don't follow the Olympics because oh, you have a personal grudge against sport or something. No, against the the the, the uh, incarceration of uh, Uyghurs in China. Ah, oh, okay, fair enough. That is so true. Oh, this is the positive. We, we used to we used to we used to protest, you know, and we would refuse to send our sports people back in in my day, back in the day, mm. to South Africa, South Africa because, because of apartheid. apartheid. Yeah, and 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 China is infinitely worse than apartheid. Like. You can't even compare the two on a scale. Wow. Yeah, they're estimating that there's up to now up to 3 million Uyghurs in concentration camps. Man, this good news section is quickly turning into oh. some serious <laughs> no. news. Um, that being, Sorry, I just put cold water all over your story. <laughs> that I being, did not mean to do that. Dude, that being said, the FBI was saying to like all the American athletes, don't take your personal phones over there, buy burner phones. Like, and, you know, don't access social media and all that stuff. Like, it's it's pretty hectic on that front. Yeah, but, um, so, I guess, you know, positive spin. I hope they stay safe and win the medals and whatnot. Um, but in other news, okay, this is really cool. For the first time in human history, in the next one, between 100 and 300 days, we could potentially witness the merging of two black holes. Oh, that's so, cool. So two galaxies that yes. have black holes at the center are currently on a collision course. So how long before we get to see this? Um, so as I said, between 100 and 300 days away. That's, that's, that's really like soon. really soon. That's re- I mean, space time, that's like almost instantaneous. I mean, I, I was thinking 100 to 300 years would nah. be, you know, that would be extremely soon. But now you're talking about, we're about to see this happen. We're about to see. This happened. Oh, I hope they publish but some photos. Potentially Lots within the next, like, three months. But, yeah, the, like, the current photos that are out are just of these two, like, galaxies that are super close together. And because we've never seen this happen before, they kind of don't know what's going to happen. Like, they have theories, yeah. but they're like, okay, so when they come together and, and merge with one another, it'll set out, you know, a big, a big, you know, explosion of like gravitron waves and like whatnot but they they basically don't know this is very like they've never seen this happen before within human I wonder history. how long ago it actually happened oh true because of like light traveling and light years and and whatnot um yeah so it could have happened a while ago and we're only just seeing it now yeah like a billion years ago <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing there are other scientists on the other side who are saying oh no they're not on a collision course no they won't hit each other so and if they did this is, this is kind of like contradictory information it's so, because it's so much in the theoretical space yes. of what would take place that it's really up to interpretation even though we're seeing it happen before our very eyes so We'll we'll see. The 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 basic theory that is being kind of shared now is that when they come together and run into one another, um, 
they will go from being two galaxies with black holes at the center to like a super massive black hole that'll eat both the galaxies. Um, but yeah, I guess it remains to be seen what will happen. So that's really cool. I really want to explore black holes in depth one day. Um, you want to go in one? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And <laughs> just just find out what actually goes on, what actually takes place inside of a black hole. What are the physics of that? Yeah, because I mean we don't know because it's black and it's a hole and, and it's, you can't see. That's all right. Of the light gets sucked in. That's right. Well, there but was obviously like the, something happening in there. There was the photo that came out a couple of years ago of like because there was like a star behind a black hole, and then we saw like kind of like a it was just like a black smudge, and it was like oh that's a black hole, but we don't really know. We have no, no idea. We no. we have no idea what happens in a black hole. But something is happening. Yeah, there I mean, are some physics going the, the, on. Uh, yeah, and time dilation, happening. and and there have been movies that have kind of oh, so many movies assumes like oh maybe this happens time or maybe this happens, and, and yeah, then you. Get spat out the thousand years in the past or something. I don't know. Time dilation. You move faster than the speed of light because there's no because the vacuum. There's something very very cool going on, and I want to ask God about it, and I want to go and explore. Oh it. yes, this is that is so awesome. All right. In other- By the way, Darren Pratt's texting in and saying, "Yeah, back in the day, he thinks that's kind of funny." What? Back in the day, you know, I'm talking about back in the day. Oh know? yeah. Because because you know nothing about apartheid. It never existed when you were in. Ah, oh, true. Whereas Darren and I, we're about the same age. So. Ah, okay, yeah. Back in the day. Okay, yeah, yeah. this is exclusionary to, <laughs> <laughs> to my... Z- I'm, I'm kind of like in the middle of millennial and Gen Z, so my, my zillennialness. Um, okay, la- oh, yeah, this story... Darren and I even, rem- even remember 9-11. Okay, I don't remember 9-11. Like, there's kids who are, like, maybe... Because when 9-11 happened, I was, like, two or three. um, There were kids who are, like, a little bit older than me who remember, like, when they were, like, five or six. And, you know, their, like, morning, like, cartoons got shut off because a building hit the World Trade Center. But, like, for me, I, I don't remember that stuff. But what I do know... Hey, check this out. So... In Iceland, um, the fisheries minister has said um, by 2024 they will be completely banning whaling. Uh, okay. Which is, a, they actually like. I thought Japan was the only place that did whaling these days. No, it's the only three countries that do whaling in the world is Norway, Iceland, and Japan. Right. Now, in Japan, it was on hiatus for like three decades. And now, since 2019, they've gone back to whaling. Yes. Uh, whereas Iceland has never had a hiatus, they've been doing whaling forever. Yes. Um, but now, because Japan has like come back to the market, it's actually dramatically decreased the demand within Iceland as well. And oh, just because, like in general, like the tide is turning very much against whaling. People don't think it's a good practice. People aren't consuming the products that come from whaling, and so therefore, um, from the like from both the fishermen themselves. And the, the fisheries minister in Iceland, they're like, this is actually just an unprofitable venture because there's such little demand and we can just stop, which is which is good news. Um, currently, the, like, the main things that we get from whaling, like, first and foremost is, is meat. Secondly is, like, the blubber, which is turned into wax and oil and different things. Thirdly is the bones, which is turned into, like, glue. Fourthly is this stuff called ambergris, which is this, like, um, it's it's this, like, chemical that, like, breaks down hard objects within the whale's stomach and then people extract that and turn it into perfume because apparently it smells good but it's kind of super oh, that's, that's, that's gross. gross that's super gross and then finally like they spray 
whale stomach juice all over my body. That's yeah, it's just no. It was like no. Well, when whaling was much more prominent, like within you know in the eighteen hundreds and everything, um, like in the United States, like they used a lot of that. But now it's like it's completely replaced by like synthetic perfume. Um, so like these are the main reasons. Like, and again, that number one reason is meat. But even like whale meat, like the consumption of whale meat has fallen has dropped dramatically for two reasons firstly because people just think like whaling for the most part is immoral and secondly whale meat is super bad for you it has like five thousand times more mercury in it than like the the highest threshold of what is safe to consume so it's like not good for you so yeah this is good news stop whaling it's dumb we should just just stop eating whales you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm Positively different. Here on The Breakfast Show, it's time for our pentathlon quiz. Interesting, you were talking about when God created the night, mm-hmm. and then you talked about black holes. That's right. That's kind of kind of go together. Which is the ultimate night, yes. space, yes. strangeness. All right, uh, for 200 points, here we go. Who did Jesus say to an expert of the law, um, you should love... Okay, who did Jesus say you should love as yourself? Let's 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 say that. Who did Jesus say to an expert of the law you should love as yourself? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text. And for two hundred points, you can win yourself an issue of Signs Magazine. But again, that question was, who did Jesus say you should love as yourself? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. See if you can figure it out. All right, Rafi's texting through. He remembers the good old days as well. So there's a few the of us out there. Good old days. Good the old days g- that you never ever even knew about. The good old oh yeah, when apartheid happened. The good old day. Yikes. Better than the CCP. Arch. Oh, <laughs> I don't know whether that's actually a really good thing to say or not. How can one bad thing anyway, whatever. They're both bad. They're both bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's uh let's talk about this um immigration reform in the United States. And mm-hmm. what's interesting is that you know, both sides of government, Republican and Democrat, have put forward plans to uh, create a path forward for illegal immigrants in the United States to gain citizenship. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting Ooh. is that the majority of Americans actually support this, uh-huh. except for one demographic. Okay. And one demographic alone. Mm-hmm. Is it me? No, it's evangelical Christians. Oh, yeah, classic, yeah. And so it's like the question, why? Because mainline Protestants support it, Roman Catholics support it, um, African-Americans support it, Mm -hmm. uh, Hispanic Roman Catholics support it. Mm -hmm. All of the other versions of Christianity support it except for evangelical Christians. So this is a new survey that's just been put out. um, And across the United States, it has about 62% support. So that's less than what it was. You know, the support for it is definitely falling, but mm. not falling significantly. But out of that 60, you know, only 47% of evangelicals support um, giving citizenship to illegal immigrants in the United States. That's down 10% since 2013. So that's quite a sig- Not only is that a low figure, but this is a group that used to support and now longer does. Mm. Has dropped significantly. Has dropped well yeah. below that. They've gone from a majority to a minority. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. <clears throat> so evangelicals are at forty-seven percent support. Um, African Americans, uh, Protestants, are at seventy-five percent support. They are the wow. highest level of support of any group 
uh, Roman Catholics, 54%. Hispanic Roman Catholics, 70%, mm-hmm. which is interesting because that's less than African-American um, churches. Mm-hmm. And mainline Protestants at 59%. Now, there was another question that they asked in this particular piece of research and it said, do you, do you agree that the growing number of newcomers from other countries strengthens American society? Mm-hmm. So this is this is a very different kind of a question because this is a question that is not talking about you know legal or illegal yeah. immigrants. This is talking about just people who have immigrated from other countries, whether it's, yeah. you know, and of course the majority of those, well, I guess the majority – in Australia, the majority, the vast majority are going to be legal. Yeah, and it's not necessarily talking about the morality of illegal immigration yeah, or whatever. The law. It's like it's talking about like, oh, do you think people coming from other countries to work make, make the place better? Make the place better. Yeah, I was really surprised. The numbers on this are a lot lower. Wow, I would have thought they would have been higher. Mm. I would have thought there would be more people. Like, yeah, okay, there's a, somebody comes here legally. I have no objection to that. Well, no, actually, that's not the case. So uh, evangelicals only gave that 35% support. Wow. Um, African-Americans only 69%. Uh, Roman Catholics only 46%. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hispanic Roman Catholics only 61%. And mainland Protestants only 59%. So I, it seems as though people fall on the side of like the moral argument of like, oh, yeah, we should help people who come here legally or illegally. Like they should have the right to come here, but does it actually benefit us? Their, their perspective is that no. no. So here's some questions that go through my mind on this one. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this because I'm certainly not settled on it in my mind. Mm. I don't have uh, fixed opinions on it. I have, I have thoughts. And I think it's something that as Christians we should talk about. Uh, and, 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 you know, because I, I come into the category of, okay, we have a number of different options here. As Christians, we have a moral responsibility to help those around us. Mm. What is the best way of doing that? Is the best way of doing that uh, giving citizenship to people who have to, to to people who have come to the country breaking the law? We already know that they are prepared to break the law. Mm. So that's the first question that goes through my mind is is that a good idea? Is that a good is that a good use of our resources? Mm. Shouldn't we rather be helping people who are uh, refugees than illegal immigrants? Mm. Because refugees, you know, these are people whose lives are on the line and shouldn't our resource wouldn't our resources be better directed towards refugees rather than illegal immigrants? Mm. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, there's a crossover between the two. Yes, yes. And because there's a crossover between the two, we need to look at that, you know, as a government, as a country, and find out, okay, why is there a crossover between the two? How many refugees can we take? And let's take as many as we can and help as many people out as we as possible. The other thought that goes through my mind is the whole concept of, you know, giving a man a fish or teaching him to fish. You know, give mm. him a man a fish, you fed him once, teach him to fish, and you fed him for a lifetime. Mm. And... Are we better off to use our resources to help people in poorer countries by bringing a very small number of them to our country? I'm not. I'm not talking about refugees, you know, people whose lives are in danger. But we we want to help out poorer countries as well. That's mm. our moral responsibility. Are we better off taking a small, very minuscule percentage, bringing them to our country, and giving them a better life here, or are we better off 
taking those resources, spending it in that country as aid to develop that country so that that country continue, can continue to grow and develop. Mm. And, and I would think that would be a better use of resources. Mm. I see that kind of in a micro sense at the uni. Like I, I know so many international students and their whole purpose is like, oh, yeah, come here, get my degree, go back to my country, be a, be a benefit and a blessing to society there. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of them that would like to stay in Australia and possibly yeah. will stay in Australia. Yeah, well. that's there's right. No that's question right. about that. And I don't have a problem with that because they're not doing anything illegal mm. and they certainly benefit this country. Yeah. And this is one of the things that, you know, I was thinking about here. Why is such low support in the States for the idea that newcomers strengthen society? Mm. I mean, I look around right now and, you know, we have a lot of immigration from Africa at the moment. Yes. And I, I don't know any of my African friends that aren't working like three jobs. Dude. All of my African friends in this country are workaholics. Yeah, dude, one of my close friends, she just finished her um, nursing degree with a GPA of 5.0 and above. Like, so so she <laughs> or, 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 or automatically qualified for, like, in the honours program. And, during, and she paid off her degree every single semester by working simultaneously. Like... And now she's she's just registered and she's about to go into the workforce, like working as a nurse here in Australia, as probably the single like hu- like highest level graduate in Australia in the work. Like she will be an epic nurse because she put the work in, and she will be a benefit to Australia. Like it's awesome, good like good for her. It's like hugely, massively proud of her. But it's like yeah, she's a, definitely a benefit to our country. Absolutely. And and Darren texts it through with this is what happens to the biblical idea of caring for the alien within your gates. Mm. Okay. So, and, and this is my point. My point is that um, we do need to take care of people, but we need to take care of people in the best way. That's right. Mm. Uh, and we need to take care of people in a way that, you know, is, is really going to truly benefit them. You know, I, I guess I just... I think we need to be helping refugees. Mm. I need to be. I think we need to be helping um, legal immigrants. Mm. I think we need to be helping develop other countries. Mm. And I think that uh, we need to be looking at and trying to find better solutions for why there are so many illegal immigrants. Mm. I think we also need to recognise that we can't help everyone. That the burden of helping the developing world needs to be spread out amongst the developed world. Mm. So, you know, Australia can't just step out there and solve the whole world's problems. Mm -hmm. And so it would be great to see the developed world get together and divvy up the undeveloped world and say, okay, this is your your bit and everybody does their bit to develop the world. These are just my ideas. I'd love to hear your solutions to how this should work. Uh, But as Christians, we definitely have a moral responsibility to help people around us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. This is The Breakfast Show, and we are going to give the next clue for our quiz. Yes, the 300-pointer. What Old Testament prophet healed the waters by Jericho by throwing salt into a spring? 0491 is the number to call. For 300 points, you can win yourself a pocket sermon, or you can get those points on the board to continue to... Sweep your way through the quiz. But again, that question was, what Old Testament prophet healed the waters of Jericho by throwing salt into a spring? If you know the answer, please give us a call. 0491-064-669. Fantastic. Well, joining us in the studio this morning is Kelvin Langman. Kelvin, it's been ages since we've had you here. 
Yeah, but it's good to be back. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I now, for those it. of you who uh, who might have forgotten who Kelvin is in the uh, while that it's been here, Kelvin is our local expert on all things weird, wonderful, obscure, and wacky in the Bible. And I'm told that this morning's material is all about bells and smells. It is. A little bit from the Old Testament, a little bit from the New. A little bit of good smelling stuff and a little bit of bad smelling stuff. All right. Mm. This is a breakfast show. You do remember that, right? It is a breakfast show. And I will (laughs) warn people, yes, you might want to uh, avert your hearing if this offends you. If 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 you are about to take the mouth full of something, then uh, <laughs> all right, let's let's launch into it, um, Kelvin. Where are we starting? Um, it's all about perfume. Oh, okay, like, that's a good place. We want to smell good. Yes, we like as humans, we like to smell good. So mm-hmm. we put smell like pleasant smelling perfume on. Yes. What perfume does God wear, though? I'll leave that question with you. Okay. Okay, growing up... I feel got... like this is a quiz question. It, it, I, I can is. just see Shell turning this into a quiz question. <laughs> um, growing up, have you got anyone in mind, like when you hug your auntie or your mum, have you got a smell that comes to mind? Hmm. My auntie used to work for David Jones, uh-huh. and she would have some of the most glorious... When you give her a hug, you haven't seen her, you catch up at a family do, she would smell divine. Like she loved you know, smelling good and looking good. Um, but, yeah, what about you guys? Have you got any... Favourite perfumes? My mum has this smell of a moisturiser that she's been using since I was a child. Like, it's her go-to. And, yeah, just it's like, that's my mum. Yep. I was hanging out with her yesterday. I gave her a hug. And I was like, no, that's mum. So you'll probably find any time in the future, as soon as you smell that, you'll be reminded of your mum. Mm-hmm. What about mm-hmm. you, Lyle? I don't know that I do. So I grew up with in a single-parent home with a dad. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of smelt like men. <laughs> and that's okay. Uh, you know, we were li- we we lived in the bush, and so it was just you know. It... <laughs> you smelt like men, it, we, aka that's disgusting. Right. Yes. Like, what a disgusting. <laughs> like, we so worked much hard. Bio. <laughs> we worked hard. Living in the country, but though. I do remember. I do remember when I became a teenager and suddenly became conscious of the fact that there were young ladies around the place <laughs> uh, wanting to smell a little bit better. Yes, it's important to. Uh, direct yourself in that area. Yes. Yep. So anyway, look up Exodus chapter 30, verse 37 and verse 38. All right. So we're heading to the Old Testament. Yep. Exodus chapter 30. Why is my Bible upside down? Chapter 30, verse 37 and 38. Go for it, Lawson. All right. uh, But as for the incense which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourself according to its composition. It shall be to you holy for the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to smell it, he shall uh, be cut off from his people. So there you go. Here's a special. The whole chapter is devoted on the altar of incense. So mm. it gives you some recipes to make um, these incense potions. Yes. Um, it also gives you some recipes to make the anointing oil that mm. the Levites used. Um, but it was very important. These were set aside and sanctified and holy. So you couldn't use them for common use. So that's why it says there, don't you know, don't use it. And, don't 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 and don't you it. make it. Yeah, but it's it's. It's interesting that God's got a certain perfume that he wants to use and he wants nobody else to use. It is sacred. But when you read the couple of verses before, it talks about a confection of the art of the apothecary. So it's sweet spices, stacti, onyxia, galbium, and um, frankincense. And I'd, I haven't smelt the others, but I have smelt frankincense, and frankincense smells gorgeous. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very, very quite nice. A, quite a valuable um, odour back in its day. Mm. Mm. And it's important for its function, but 
If you imagine a little child when they get into mum and dad's or mum's stash of perfume, if you start splashing perfume everywhere, mum's not going to be terribly happy. And it's the- interesting how that God is interested in all different kinds of creativity and beauty. Yes. Because, you know, the world is very, very um, extravagant. The, the beauty of nature is incredibly extravagant, but it's not just what God has created to look at. He's created things for all of our senses, including smell. Yes. Yeah, and it's crazy to think like God is concerned about smells. And this particular smell here, of course, was a great smell because it was a smell that was to symbol the righteousness of Christ, mm. yes. covering the stench of our sin because yes. you know blood would be sprinkled in the sanctuary. Yep. That would smell bad. That, would, that blood was there as a symbol of sin, uh, the sins that we had committed, and it was to remind us that sin stinks in the nose of God. And then you had this incense that would cover that stench, which symbolizes the righteousness of Christ covering the stench of our sin. Mm. I agree, yep. Um, spot on. And that was the whole purpose of the perfume was to overcome and be a sweet-smelling savour unto God because what, when our sins are piled up in the sanctuary, there's a stench that rises up. Yeah. Oh. To neutralise that smell. stench of sin, mm. yeah. Yes. Mm. Which brings me to Luke chapter 14, verse 34 and verse 35. We were told we we're going to have a bit of Old Testament, a bit of new, so here we go over the new. So, so here's the new. What was the chapter and verse? It's Luke chapter 14 mm-hmm. and verse 34 and verse 35. Mm-hmm. So we've had the good smelling stuff. Now I'm going to take you somewhere else that's not so smelling. Just warning anyone that's having breakfast. <laughs> uh, oh, I know this. All right, passage. Lawson, you're going to have to go with this one because I went to Mark. All right, so that's not, salt. not working for me. Luke. Uh, Luke 34. 14, 34, 35. Uh, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, it, it, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, stop and think about this. Yep. Mm. There's, a, there's a lesson here that Jesus wants us to cogitate yes, on. Yes, Yep. So mm. the salt is the thing that hits me first. But then you read on, it talks about the dung hill. I always wondered, why does God allow? Why did, what does God document? Why does he historicize, if I can use that word in that context, um, dung in the Bible? So I started looking. Okay. This is not just animal manure. The word here for dung hill is specific to a type of animal. Mm, a two-legged upright animal. Uh, what, what is the thing? Is a two-legged <laughs> uh, bipod or what was the thing? Is a featherless two-legged? Hey, uh, you, you got me lost. Uh, you you like, work on that one and uh, come back to us. I think it was like how Aristotle like uh, classified humans as like a two-legged, like uh, featherless, wingless bypass. Anyways, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah. us, us. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's particularly yeah. offensive. It is. But why mm. is it precedented? Why is it preceded by salt? What is the purpose of salt mm. when it comes to dung? Oh, have you ever con- considered that? No, never. never. I've never <laughs> seen any kind of relationship between the two whatsoever at all. Okay, maybe it's just me, me, and that's a bit weird. But I, I started digging. I started looking. Well, this is this is why you are here. Yep, yep, Kelvin. yep. So salt in biblical times was used for preserving. Uh-huh. Yes. Yep. And even today, like we use That's right. we salt olives, you know, to make them yes. last longer. Um, it was used to add flavour mm-hmm. to something, but it was also used as a salary. It was pay. Yes, it was money. That's yep. right. Um, but salt was also used to cure illness. Now, I only had my wisdom teeth out, well, 
probably eight or ten years ago, but I can remember like when you had this open wound and the dentist says to you, go home, put salt in water and gargle this. Saline solution. Saline solution, yep. So it prevents infection, but it can also cure mild infections as well. And my mum and dad always said, you know, if you've got an abrasion, go jump in the ocean. Like, But that's the last thing you want to do because it stings and uh-huh. it hurts. Uh-huh. So salt... Um, in this verse here, it says, Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its savour, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land. Why would it be fit for the land? Well, in biblical times, they used to get their salt from two different locations. One was around the Dead Sea. Still do. and Yep, and that's in Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 9. So the, the salt that you get from the Dead Sea is very high in... Um, it's, it's got sodium chloride in it, but it's also got magnesium sulfate. It's got um, potassium chloride, and it's also got a calcium uh, mineral in it as well. So it's actually quite fertile. Those are some rather cool chemicals. Yep. So if you were in an area that you, you could had, do with do things with some of those chemicals, you can. And magnesium is fantastic for growing plants. Yes. Um, but if you're in an area where you've got impoverished soil, you can sprinkle that salt. And it actually adds mineral content to the soil, making it more fertile. Are you serious? This is probably the only application of putting salt on land I've ever heard that's a good thing. Well, usually you do the opposite of that. And yeah, kill that's everything. right. It just kills everything. Yep. Let's have a look at Judges chapter nine, verse forty-five. Here's right, an opposite right. application. We are going to learn something. Oh here man, I'm, I, my interest is peaked. They used yeah. to do this in biblical times. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To make sure that nothing grew. Okay, Judges. What's the chapter? Ja- Judges chapter nine, verse uh-huh. forty-five. Yeah, but it wasn't just to stop things growing. I can't remember where it is. There's a verse in the Bible that says, you cannot bless that which God has cursed, and you cannot curse that which God has blessed. So let's have a look at Judges chapter 9 and verse 45. And Abimelech fought against the city all that day, and he took the city and killed the people that were therein, and beat down the city and sowed it with salt. He sowed it with salt. So he sounds like a farmer. He's he's sowing. Yes, he's sprinkling stuff like you would sprinkle seed. seed. Yes. This is not going to grow. So he uses, the, in the in the Bible it talks about, um, I think it's Second Samuel 8 and First Chronicles, it talks about salt from the valley of salt. Mm-hmm. So this was a salt that is actually very high in sodium chloride. So it's a dehydrating, it's a desiccating salt. Um, but this salt, when you put it on, on land, it actually renders it infertile. Mm, mm. So the Bible does talk about two different types of salt, a mm. salt to improve things or a salt to make things worse. And this is what I was saying. You cannot bless that which God has cursed and you cannot curse that which God has blessed. If God has said something is bad, doesn't matter how you try to improve it, it's never going to improve. So here's Abimelech like going around, you know, like he wants farmer. to turn this place into a desert. Ah, oh, yeah, and like it, never exist ever ever yeah. again. And it says that even like the, the land will remain barren eternally. But this is one of the aspects of salt. Salt is a preserving characteristic. So if it if it is if it renders it unfit, it remains unfit. Mm. You see, but if you improve the flavor, the flavor remains flavorsome. And in the Bible, it says, um, "What good is it?" It was in Luke, wasn't it? What good is salt if it loses its savor? So salt always has an influence. Mm. But the the only time salt is no good is when we don't use it. Mm. And this is the gospel message. It is the gospel it message. It is the gospel message. Yes. Yep. Because salt it is no good while it is still in the salt shaker. Yep, mm. absolutely. And the Bible says that we are like salt, mm. and if we are still in the salt shaker, we're not actually doing anything any no, good. That's right. But what's interesting, 2,000 years ago, 
you didn't have flushing toilets like what we have today. So you went down the back corner of your property and there was a mound of dirt that you would actually u- utilise for your uh, bowel functions. Mm-hmm. But you would grab a handful of salt and put that on top of your waste product, if I can use that word tastefully. Yep. Um, and this waste product was actually rendered... Um, the, the odour would actually be removed by the action of the salt, but it was a desiccant, so it dried it out. So that stopped it smelling. But also, and it stopped, it stopped the spread of disease as well. I was just going to say... See, see, in Tasmania, we used to use human pine shavings. Yeah, and, and that's that <laughs> sawdust is awesome for that sort of thing too. Yep. So how about that? Like all that's this... absolutely fascinating. I had no idea because it would, it would you know, in, in an environment where... You know, you did not have flushing toilets. The possibility of disease spreading is pretty massive. But this is actually a really efficient system. Yep. And everyone living near the Dead Sea, everyone had handfuls of salt. Yes. It's no wonder that salt became such an important currency because you used it for so. Many. I didn't never realise you would need to you, you would need to have a fair bit of, a fair bit of salt on hand for all the different uses that it was put to. Yeah, you don't take the dunny roll out to the to the back <laughs> shed. You take a handful of salt. Awesome. Wild. And, and the dunny roll as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> probably, probably yeah, we'd want, we, I don't want to get rid of all the modern conveniences, but th- this certainly gives you a different aspect on ancient culture, I feel. Yeah, Absolutely. Wow, interesting. That's, oh, that's fascinating, Kelvin. Thank you so much for coming uh, in this morning and talking about salt. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.